morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 109, and today we have Greg Barrett, the head girls basketball coach at Hastings St. Cecilia here in Nebraska, Hastings, Nebraska. Uh, but before we get to coach, uh, we of course want to thank our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who's struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Just give them a call at 402-964-0300 or check out their practice at Cossack Chiro, that's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits to help coaches out and help them hone their craft. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, so be sure to download, rate, review, give us five stars so we can get the word out to gain momentum in the ratings so that we can help as many coaches as we can. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach Greg Barrett. Coach, you're coming in off the disabled list a little bit here today. Uh, had some honey tea this morning, uh, some warm water. Are we ready to roll? I'll tell you what, I've, I've been grasping at straws. I think I've tried about every every sinus cure there is right now, and uh, I actually have dipped into the tea for maybe the second time in my life. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're trying our best. Uh, like I was telling you off, off air about coaching without a voice – and you got to be good with communication with your hand signals. And mm-hmm. it helps to have four really good seniors, too. So, uh, yeah, uh, a little injured, but we are are hanging in there. So so how did you – because I did that once. I'm curious how to, how you handled it. I got something. Uh, we were out in Scott's Bluff, and we were playing in uh, that, that early season Scott's Bluff tournament. And I just, out of nowhere, just lost my voice, which which happens to me about probably once every two years for 24 hours. Uh, my wife loves it when it happens. So, <laughs> but uh, how did you handle it when it came to the communication of it? And and you know, did did you have your assistant do stuff, or what'd you do? Well, it was funny because it happened to me for three or four days. So, like, it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I did practice what I would do, and me and my assistant have been together for what, four years. So, I would blow the whistle, and then she would know what drill to call out. Mm-hmm. And then we would go from there. And then if it came to a talking point, she would talk, you know, X's and O's, and I would just do fine details during during that practice. Mm -hmm. Then during the game, it was a lot of every single time there's a dead ball. And I think this is something that, you know, younger coaches or even something I learned from some good ones is every time there's a dead ball, get huddled up, get organized, look to the bench. We try to do that every time anyways. Mm -hmm. A lot of hand signals, and then have have our you know our one or a point guard relay the message and get everyone on the same page. So yeah. we we tried doing it that way the best we can. What was tough is when you see stuff on the fly, it's tough to call stuff out. Yeah, and that was a little frustrating. Knowing yeah. you see something but you can't communicate. So you know that's the one thing about basketball communication is major, 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 major. It is tough to get kids to talk continuously. So yeah, um, definitely always an emphasis with us. And I guess with I'm mean, gonna guess with every single team there is out there. Yeah, when we had it happen, um, it was, you know, we played a game, and then the next day we were playing a game, and, and I could feel it going, like, after the first, the, the, the semifinal game, and woke up the next day and just literally just couldn't talk, uh, you know, just it was just raspy as all get out. It sounded like I smoked about six packs a day, and so what we did is I 
I, I brought my assistant over to the officials before the game. I said, hey, you know, I can barely talk above a whisper. Uh, I'm going to relay a lot of my stuff through her. She's going to be standing up a lot more and and talking a lot more. And if she needs to stand up, is that okay? And and they were really good about it. They're like, yeah, we, you know, that's fine. That's fine. As long as as long as she's just coaching and, and relaying information to your players, that's no problem at all. You know, so that's how we handled it when it happened to me uh, a few years ago. So, uh, yeah, you know, you learn something new out of day. Necessity is the mother of invention, right, Greg? Yeah, that's the truth, huh? Yeah, exactly. So, well, hey, we'll uh, we'll we'll get going into the official business here. Uh, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, we we like to start out this way. Uh, you know, your background, uh, how you ended up at Hastings St. Cecilia, your your basketball journey, and and how you ended up, uh, you know, at St. Cecilia as the girls' basketball coach, and 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 everything that's gone into it. Uh, sounds good. So uh, I am uh, a Hastings native. I went to Hastings High. Um, played under Mark Etzemiller. He was a coach out at Ogallala and then Hastings High. And then I believe he finished up maybe at, at Southern Valley. I think he was he was one of the coaches that ended, um, I think it was Wahoo. I think he was the head coach that ended Wahoo's big time win streak. Yep. Yep. I remember that because he, he had this money clip that had whatever the number was with an X through it. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, 114, I believe, was the number. Yeah, whatever the number was. I remember seeing an article in, in the, the Journal Star within the last couple of seasons about that, um, which was kind of kind of nostalgic a little bit. It was kind of funny because I remember that, that money clip like <laughs> yesterday. But uh, but anyways, uh, so yeah, play with him and, and play with a good set of uh, friends that we kind of just played together all the way through. And um, it was just a fun basketball group that really – played off each other really well. And I think I got a lot of my, kind of my philosophies on how I think basketball, how I, how I would like it to look where it's kind of an unselfish deal where you have players that enjoyed each other's teammates success as much as their own. Um, and we had a lot of success. I mean, we, we made a semifinal at my senior year at state um, went to school. Let's see Wayne state. I survived a year up there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of joke, our uh, boys coach is from, went to Wayne State. He's from Columbus Scotus. And I always told, I told Ron, I go, man, I'm, I'm never going back up to Wayne again. It just, it just wasn't for me. I ended up going to UNL, but we ended up playing a holiday tournament up in Wayne a couple of years ago. It's the first time I've been back in about 12 to 15 years. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I bet um, everything changed. <laughs> it was surprisingly very similar. Yeah, 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 yeah I know. I get you. <laughs> but, uh, I ended up going to UNL. I didn't play college basketball. I went to UNL um, with a business degree and then kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself. And I, I heard about a, a graduate um, teaching program through Doan and Lincoln. And mm-hmm. I decided I, I, I kind of missed that that aspect of things. I missed that, that team. Uh, I missed the classroom environment. So I got into teaching. Ended up student teaching at Hastings High, and lo and behold, uh, St. Cecilia ended up offering me out here. I never really would have thought. I never actually even stepped foot in the school. <laughs> I kind of wondered about that when you said you were a Hastings High grad. Yeah. Yeah, I'd been in the gym several times, but I'd never stepped foot in the school despite probably passing it thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So it's kind of ironic when I come from a I mean, an entirely Hastings High family and end up teaching at St. Cecilia. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I was a assistant coach with uh, Kevin Asher for four years. Kevin's at uh, Aurora now. Um, 
and I got a got a great experience basketball in education and basketball there. I know he was really influenced by Mike Trader. Um, obviously, a lot of folks know Mike mm-hmm. Coach Trader for, around the state, and I got to kind of watch his uh, his boys grow up, uh, Brooks and Trey, and ended up getting to be on the bench for a couple state uh, uh, championship teams too there. So that was a great experience, and I learned a lot. And then kind of before their last run, um, our father, Brilliant here, asked me if I wanted to be the girls' coach. And at first I was like, yeah, no way. I don't, I don't want to do that. And then about a day later, I kind of assessed it and called him back. And this is like the day before we're leaving for state. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I, I, I kind of want to. I want that challenge, and it's kind of something I've always wanted to do. And he was kind of like, oh, really? And then he kind of got back into, yeah, okay, excellent, excellent, yeah. So I just kind of sat on that through the whole state tournament while they while they went to the finals and won and just kind of enjoyed that. And then started the next year, and this will be my sixth year at St. Cecilia. We've had a ton of success, and it's been a, it's been a really fun, um, a little bit more stressful as the head coach than an assistant, but it's been a, it's been a fun journey. Yeah, it, as they say, it's it's funny how that eighteen inches can make a big difference. So, uh, you know, want to want to talk about two things uh, with you, uh, and, and I noticed this right away, and I can kind of relate to this. Uh, I I still have three, four, five uh, buddies that that I grew up with that we we did everything together. Uh, small town like a Hastings. Uh, Hastings is a lot bigger than my town that I grew up in, but, um, you know, we, we taught ourselves how to play. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we taught ourselves, um, and, and you guys were better at it than my group of friends and I were, but, you know, you taught yourself how to play on the playground. You, you kind of figured it out on your own. You officiated your own games. You did this, you did that, you know, uh, how how has you know you kind of mentioned it s- some, but I, I, I'd love for you to build on it a little bit. Just just how did that childhood experience really give you the the background and the um, you know just that 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 foundation of the way that you teach the game today? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and uh, you know it, it's 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 not something that like there's a set of rules that we did but it's kind of like you it's kind of like intuitive like you you realize you got a big and you 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 figured out ways as a shooter how to get open coming off a screen off a big and that big knew how to get you open and you just did it since you were in sixth grade um and playing to people's strengths now that's the one thing that i that we did a great job of is we played off each other's strengths you know we had a point guard that, that could that could handle the ball under pressure and he could get to the rim and drive a dish. He just figured out ways to move on the floor to get in a, get an open shot or a post that knew how, how he liked it at a certain spot. And I think that's the one thing coaching-wise. Um, the way I, I enjoy about it is you got almost like a bunch of puzzle pieces on the floor and on your team, and you got to figure out which way all those pieces fit together to make the best unit. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, I got that – Oh, the visual of, you know, you have five fingers aren't very strong when they're spread out, but when it's compacted together as a fist, it's a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about that visual offensively and defensively. When you work together, it's a lot stronger. You know, you try to try to hit a wall or hit something with your fist, it won't hurt. I won't hurt with a wall, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Hit, hit yeah. with the spread out fingers, it's going to hurt a lot, you know. Um, you know, that fist concept, uh, figuring out how those puzzle pieces work together to build off each other's strengths. So whether that's a... You know, a particular set, a style, whether that's how we defend, 
uh, that's something that I kind of got from growing up and just kind of the joy, you know, like I talked about earlier about when everybody's involved, it, basketball is a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more fun to play. It's more fun to coach. I don't know how many kids want to go out for a sport and they're going to go sit in the corner and maybe once every 10 possessions, they're going to get a ball kicked to them for a shot in the corner. I just don't know how enjoyable that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, uh, growing up, I, I wouldn't trade that experience in Hastings. I mean, I could have grew up a lot of other places, but I mean, I got a, another thing that I enjoy with our kids is they compete in a lot of different things. And I got, I got to play football, basketball, baseball, anything I wanted to do and, and go compete and enjoy and kind of learn how to play, you know, mm-hmm. and learn how to compete. So um, that's kind of how I try to incorporate that into what we do here. Yeah. What are some ways in, in, in your opinion that we can recreate that, playground education for our kids because as in some ways we as adults have made things so much better for our kids and the youth development and the skill level and all that other stuff but there's also something to be said for getting out on the playground calling your own fouls calling your own balls and strikes figuring out the teams and figuring out your roles without somebody telling you how to do that you know how can what are you know any ideas on how to kind of meld the two together I, that, that's the question for today, isn't it? It's, um, I mean, it is, you have a generation and, you know, you have a generation of people like my, my dad and I talked to him about playing at Hastings High and other folks, you know, like that's how they did it. I mean, they didn't play basketball year round. They, they picked it up, you know, during the season and they competed in all other sports throughout the year. I, I don't, I don't know if there is a way to recreate it. I think it, 2021 2022 it's it's how it is i mean mm-hmm. unfortunately i think once upon a time kids went out and did that stuff and i feel like more today it's manufactured yeah. you know it's manufactured where if i'm going to do basketball well i'm going to go play on this travel team or i'm going to go wait till i get to my my, my school practice or i'm going to go work out with get a workout in with somebody that's going to direct me with what to do uh, you can definitely tell the kids that have taught themselves how to play because they're not robotic. They they understand situations and their ability to react is because they've always had to play that way mm-hmm. or they've always just grown up playing that way. But to be honest with you, I don't know. I, I really uh-huh. don't know how you recreate that. Like me and my buddies going to play Sandlot baseball in the summer. Yeah. I don't see very many kids around Hastings doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I just, no. I just don't. Okay. Um yeah, agreed. I mean, yeah, I, you know, again, not and and I'm older than you. I'm not going to say how much older than you I am, but I'm older okay. than you. Uh, but you know, we would we would have our little league game at nine o'clock in the morning, and you'd be done by ten fifteen, ten thirty. You'd go do swimming lessons at eleven. You'd come home, and the phone would ring at about twelve thirty, twelve forty five, and we're going to meet here to play football, basketball, baseball, whatever the sport of the day may be, at one or one thirty or two o'clock, and you did that till. For a and again, I'm sounding like the grumpy old man that's yelling at the clouds and stuff like that. But uh, I, I I would love to see more of that type of initiative. But at the same time, when that's all we've taught our kids is the adults will organize this, and you're going to practice from here to here, and it has to be like this. You know, we've kind of taken that away from them a little bit too. I, I would totally agree with that. Uh, like I said, it's. You know, the adults talk about how they want it to be this way, yet they're the one driving that they want their kid to be 
get this central focus and this, this or that, you know, mm-hmm. um, there also too, you know, you know, I noticed it at a smaller school too, with participation, there's just a lot of other things in life that kids can go do, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a job, whether it's, you know, something, you know, digitally with, you know, there's just other things to draw kids interest. You know, once upon, I was always told, you know, like a lot of farm kids want to go play sports so they could get out of work on the farm. <laughs> you know, I had a couple well, friends that did that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, that's fewer and far between today. So, mm-hmm. uh, fewer and fewer and fewer and far between. So, uh, there's just a lot of other things. I don't know how we recreate it. Um, but as a coach, uh, you know, I, I think you could try to instill some of those principles and concepts and get them into your culture the best way you can that, you know, the strength in a, in a group within the team and it's not just individual. So yeah. that's kind of what I've tried to recreate. Yeah. You also had a. You were also heavily influenced by your high school coach, Mark uh, Etzel Miller, and and like you said, uh, Ogallala, and they broke. I want to know in that money clip if he was a real teacher, as Cosmo Kramer would say. You know, at the, you know his big bills are on the outside, and it's probably a five. So if he's if he's doing it the right way, if he's a real teacher, that's what he's got in that money clip. But uh, you know, talk about him. And his influence on your career, what you you know have taken from him as as a coach and and implemented to your program there at, at Saint Cecilia. Um, I don't know really as much from from Coach Etz. Um, I think I probably learned more from from actually being on the coaching side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're a player, you have a totally different perspective. But one thing I did really appreciate from Coach Etz is he he let you play your strength, and he knew there were certain kids that you could really get on and get into, and there was other kids that. Um, that you maybe need to take a little bit of a softer approach with. And that's something that I really learned from him. Like there's some kids that, that thrive on constantly being said, Hey, you got to do it this way. And there's other kids that kind of need to learn on their own and they don't respond to that as well. I think that's one thing I really got from him. Um, and I think he kind of understood that with our group, you know, playing together for so long that that's kind of how we, we played. We kind of figured out stuff and we were kind of, we weren't, we weren't the, the best athletes in the world by all means, but we were good basketball players and we kind of, he, he, he understood that, so I, that's one thing I translated from him. Um, I would say, coaching aspect, I the thing you don't get as a player is the preparation it takes to get ready for just a game or a practice, and that's one thing that I really learned when I moved on to be an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I, I watched our game from yesterday this morning. Um, got ready for this, and I already told my wife I've got two or three films to watch you know, some point today to get ready for our game on Tuesday, you know, so it's, it's just, you know, you know, it's, it's constant, constant motion. So, uh, it, it, it totally is. Yeah. And I've, I've been at school since nine thirty because at, at the same time, uh, people don't realize that you still gotta be a teacher too. So I'm getting ready for the week there. Um, already watched a film, uh, about done with that one. I got about one more two today to get ready for a game on Tuesday. Uh, and it's just, and it's interesting because you go during the season and, like you said, it's constant, constant motion. And then it's funny. You get to the very end and you have that day off you've been looking forward to. <laughs> and you don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> you're, you're just you're right. Yeah. Constantly, constantly. I, I always look forward to that. Like, I'm going to go golfing. I'm going to go do this. And then I get to it. I'm like, I feel like I should be doing something right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That, that and uh, the postseason collapse. The, the physical collapse you know like 
you know, whenever you're done, whether it's sub-districts or districts or a state or whatever, you know, three to five days after you're done, all of a sudden your body is just like, you know, I'm just going to shut your butt down for 24 hours and you're done. <laughs> and I would say probably three out of every four seasons, that's what happens to me is it's just that's it, man. That's you're done. And uh, so it's it's interesting that you say that because that's what I always think of as well. Yeah, and I think if you, you know, coaches, and I, uh, this is behind the scenes that a lot of parents and, you know, people from the outside don't see this is how much, how invested you are. Coaches that don't care about it don't stick around for very, if they don't like that. And I'm not saying I always enjoy that lifestyle either, but yeah. if you care about it, you know, that's the way I, I'm going to put everything I got into it, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and some people might say, just why, why are you doing that? You know, take it easy. You can't take it easy when you, <laughs> you're invested in something and you want your kids to succeed and you want your school to succeed and you, you give it all you got. And that's the reason why in the spring I coach golf or in the past, I coach middle school track, something a little, a little less stressful and a little less anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I think that, you know, if, if we ask our kids to invest and put time mm-hmm. into it, and then if we half ass it, then you're sending the wrong message. Uh, it, it, you know, it would be hard for me to look at a kid in the eye and say, hey, you need to work on your, you know, you need to be in the weight room. You need to do this. You need to do that. Uh, but instead of watching four films on Team X, I'm going to watch a half and I'm just going to wing it from there. Or I'm just, you know, I'm going to take five minutes to put together my practice plan instead of taking a good 35, 40, 40, you know, whatever it may be to put together the best practice plan that I can for that day. And, and I think that it's important that, you know, you can say everything that you want, but it's your actions that really speak for you. Bingo. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the way I, that's kind of the way I am as, as a teacher and a coach. I'm not, I'm not the biggest talk in the world. I don't know how long I'll last talking to you, but I always, the radio guy always jokes with me. He's like, Greg, you don't, you never make 10 minutes in the pregame. Like I just not much of a talker. kind of of more of a lead by action but you got it kids can recognize a phony they're Mm -hmm. not they're they're intelligent Mm -hmm. and you can earn a ton of respect from your kids if you preach something and you put the preparation and they see it unfold in a game and they're like oh this guy knows what he's doing and he cares about my success and they'll buy in and they'll do anything you ask of them and that's honestly been a big part of you know our success as a team here Mm -hmm. well i'm gonna give your voice a third i'm gonna give you a a 60 second time out here greg all right so (laughs) all right so we're we're at a quarter break here so regroup a little bit uh take a little bit of that tea in whatever you're doing here's here's the 60 second time out for you all right you ready all right a pen and a napkin university is offering you our listeners a great opportunity to learn more about coaching above and beyond the a pen and a napkin universe in our video series detailing personal growth and development you can purchase videos on topics like interviewing for a job basketball analytics and fundraising and social media go to a pen and a napkin.com and follow the links to order videos are ten dollars a piece or you can get the bundle for fifty dollars that's less than eight dollars a video we also have our defensive series available. Those videos are $10 a piece, or you can get the three-video bundle for $25. Check out the A Pen and a Napkin University video library. And as I get reminded numerous times in a game, Coach, that's the second horn. we got to have you out here. All right? So there's your second horn, Greg. We're, we, we ready to keep going here? Yeah, I got a cough drop in now, so we're going <laughs> to... All right. We're going to uh, reload it here. <laughs> all right. Um, you guys are... Uh, uh, 
enrollment wise for for those that are unfamiliar with with Nebraska we have six classes a b c1 c2 d1 d2 and you guys kind of fluctuate back and forth between c1 and c2 um, is there is there anything that you do differently you know from season to season that you kind of look at the scope of things you take a look at the landscape um, go okay last year we were in c1 now we're back into c2 um, did you did you do anything different in the off season? Did you address anything differently, or was it just hey, we're just going to go out and play? Um, yeah, our enrollment and it's because with them switching it boys to girls, that's changed a lot of things. Yep. Um, you, you you'll see some wild fluctuations. Like we there there's some girls teams that might be at C one and their boys are in, in D one. Mm-hmm. You'll see that at our at our level in this class C. So we've been pretty much C two. I think we were the very bottom of C1 last year. Mm-hmm. And and in the future, our classes are 35 to 25 kids. Last year's class was 19, 18, I think. Um, we're, we're, we're trending more towards the bottom of C2. So, yeah, I think that's, that's something that coaches in all sports and our, you know, neck of the woods are always looking at. Um, as far as where you might project. Now, as far as the season itself, the way I look at it is the only thing that's going to change is the districts. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still going to play in the Centennial Conference. I, I'm i a firm believer watching it from the boys' and girls' end and then watching it in various sports. It's probably pound for pound, maybe the toughest conference in the state. Yeah, you know? Definitely, I would I would agree with you, especially in the smaller schools. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And just for our, you know, pound for pound, it's it's so that's not going to change. Uh so, but it'll be interesting to see because you're seeing a lot of these, some schools, you know, that are more satellite around bigger towns might have an influx of kids and some of those smaller schools are more rural or are, are kind of dropping. So, um, you definitely look at it. My approach doesn't change because we're going to go compete whoever's on the schedule. And I know our conference is going to be tough. So, and that being said, we're going to get everybody's best shot anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, don't really change much, to be honest. I've been asked that before. I really don't. I, I don't even know if I even mentioned it between last year and this year. Mm-hmm. Well, between last year and this year, you know, you, you had a great season last year. Um, uh, but it was it was a really tough ending. Uh, and, and I was there. I actually called the game on the radio uh, with your title game against North Bend. Uh, not to bring up too many bad memories, but... Uh, for those that are unfamiliar, you had an 11-point lead going into the fourth quarter. You're you're kind of cruising right along. Uh, North Bend makes a few plays, couple things don't go your way, um, and you you end up you end up losing by by two. And you know I've I've always um, in those situations, you know that that's got to be just a, a a tough tough thing to go into that locker room and have that be, you know. Uh, the final, true, real, major experience with that group of kids and having it in that way, you know, how how did you handle that? How did how did you go in there and and you know you know just 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 taking your team? You know, it's easy to go in and celebrate, but the real measure of a of a of a good coach is how they handle disappointment, especially high level disappointment. And 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 how did you work that through with your kids and in, in the in the minutes after that and, and everything that you went through. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kudos to North Bend. They kept fighting back. You're right. It was, it was a deal where I'm not going to second guess, I think, but it could have gone either way and it yep. didn't. 
Um, and that was a chance for a three-peat for us too. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of expectations for our kids and, and they have high expectations of themselves and, uh, you know, going to the locker room, obviously kids are devastated. Uh, the biggest thing as a coach that I've always kind of taken away from it is obviously you're going to go compete your best because you want to win. Obviously you want to win. And, um, the, but you're going to lose too. And that's the kind of the, the thing I've always kind of preached with our kids is we're going to fight like crazy. We're going to keep swinging to the final buzzer. But if you, if you lose, you can look at yourself and say, I did everything I could, mm-hmm. you know, and whether that's not only going to work well on the basketball court in Lincoln, but what happens when you are taking a final in college in three years? What happens when you're at a job interview? What happens when you have your own family? Are you going to give up in tough situations? And I just, the biggest thing and you probably hear me say a lot today is just, I want kids to compete and that's it. And our kids played their hearts out. I mean, we didn't have a lot of depth last year. Mm-hmm. We probably, we played five kids and then we had three freshmen coming off the bench wide eyed. And, and, and to be honest, they, they followed the game plan to a T and North Bend is one of those freaky athletic teams and they got us. But at the end of the day, I was ultra, ultra, ultra proud of our group, you know, mm-hmm. and everything was stacked against us. I think from bumping up a class and a lot of folks said, you guys didn't have a chance and they, they hung in, they dug in, they got together as a group and they competed. And as a coach, yeah, you'd like to have another banner on the wall, but at the end of the day, uh, there's no reason to hang, hang your head. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a great game, and um, you know, it. I, I I do remember telling my um, telling my uh, uh, the, my my play by play guy uh, early in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, it looks like it looks like Saint Cecilia is getting tired. And does does North Bend have they kept it close enough to make one final push? And and I think some of that had to deal with you guys had just a knockdown, drag out fight against Lincoln Lutheran in the semifinals. And you know sometimes you know everybody looks at the championship game, but if you have a little bit easier of a road, you you're a little bit fresher. And I think that also played into it a little bit too, Greg. That that that's my just my observation from afar watching it play out too so so um you mentioned junior high track you mentioned some scottish ball striking uh you know how does how does coaching some junior high track give you some brevity when it comes to being a, a varsity uh a varsity head coach and you have you're you're watching film, you're doing this, you're in on Sunday morning at nine thirty, uh, getting stuff ready for the week, and then you know in the springtime it's you know junior high track's pretty low stress, low stress gig, you know. So so, but how does that help you with uh, developing your your varsity program, your your your, your high school program? Well, at a small school, the way that I've seen it. And this is one thing I miss because I, I moved on to golf and or to, to golf last spring for the first time. But it is a chance to uh, connect with seventh and eighth grade potential kids that could potentially be in your program, and um, you kind of build those relationships early. And it's a little bit more of a lighter atmosphere. Um, as far as tracks concerned, I kind of we don't actually have a track at school, um, so we, we end up running over to a park about three quarters of a mile away. And I, I kind of joked it was more of a after school conditioning program than, than, <laughs> than track practice. 
but it was a chance to, to connect with those younger kids and then kind of instill in the fact that, yeah, we're going to work hard, but we can have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in order for schools like us to be successful, we got to have kids that are a part of a lot of different things and kind of have that work ethic. And uh, I was really happy to kind of be a part of that. And then I saw the golf gig and I like golfing. So <laughs> I thought that was too good to pass up. And honestly, you're, you're almost playing more psychiatrist than anything else sometimes there. Sure. Um, but at the same time, it, it was nice to kind of catch my breath. And uh, on the boys' side of things, just kind of, enjoy, you know, enjoy something with kids that are learning to do something where the stakes aren't quite as high. And, uh, you know, we had a handful of golfers with experience and most of them did it. And it was actually a really fun year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was nice to kind of recharge the batteries and reset and kind of look at coaching in a different aspect in a different way, as opposed to this hard charging. We got to do this, this game plan, this take a step back uh, and kind of just build those relationships with kids. So yeah. it was fun. I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're going to transition here, Coach. Uh, we're going to uh, jump into your kind of specific basketball philosophy. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to have our John Wooden quote of the day. Um, so if you if you want to comment on the on the quote, feel free to do so after I rattle it off here. So, are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So, the John Wooden quote of the day is, Don't measure yourself by what you have accomplished, by but... but by what you should have accomplished with your ability. Don't measure yourself by what you have accomplished, but by what you should have accomplished with your ability. And, you know, that's, you know, my whole thing, especially that I've gotten older, is just max out whatever we've got. If we've got five win talent, then let's max out that five win talent. If we've got 20 win talent, let's max out that 20 win talent. And sometimes I think people get caught up in the scoreboard and the final thing instead of looking at what you're trying to accomplish with what you have to work with. I think, I think that's pretty much it. And that's kind of going back to philosophy, whether you're like, like with us last year, previous years were a state title contending team. Every team ceiling is probably is different, mm-hmm. but if while we're here, let's be the best we can be and go compete. And I totally agree. I think, I think we've, we've, we totally do that as a coaching staff and we still let our kids and our kids sell out that are here. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, everyone's goals are different, but while you're here, why would you want to go through the motions? Mm-hmm. How, uh, I, I love that. What you said there, every team's ceiling is different. Uh, and, and let's kind of roll into that, you know, uh, just, just competitiveness, making everything competitive and practice. How do you, how do you continually push that ceiling and, and explain to your kids, you know, and, and get them to reach that ceiling on a consistent basis? I think I don't, I, I've just noticed that when, when teams and kids get comfortable, some bad habits can can come into play. So from what I've observed as an assistant and just watching basketball, typically comfortable teams are pretty susceptible to making mistakes. And uh, what I've decided, you know, with our program, what we wanted to do is kind of have – a culture of accountability and then i kind of just said we're going to have something on the line in everything we do so at practice if we're if we're doing a shooting drill we're going to count our makes and we're going to compete against the other group for push-ups or a wall if you miss a layup in practice um you got two push-ups automatically um if you don't talk as a group 
like we get, we have something called an echo call. Coach calls yep. something out. Everyone else echoes. We do. If the they same don't thing. do it, yep. coach, coach, our coach tells everyone you got to push up. Things like stretch. This might sound weird. Things like stretching. If they're not focusing and they get off balance, they got to push up and they just self police themselves. Uh-huh. Um, turnover. They got a wall. So things like that. We tried to put competition, and there's things on the line. I think when you go through a practice, and if there's if it isn't important, then you're not going to get a full effort from your kids. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, it does absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do uh, is, and I got this actually from this podcast. Uh, you know, they're doing the podcast. Uh, Steve Selk up at South Sioux City. He talked about. Uh, they, they adopted the concept of winner's run and rewarding the winners with extra conditioning so that they can play longer and and make that better. And, and our kids have, have really embraced that as well. And, and another thing that we've done to try, uh, you know, we, we keep a, a, in my classroom, I've got a marker board and we've got a, you know, set six to eight drills that we run pretty consistently. And okay, here's the record board. In five-minute shooting, our record right now is 124. And, um, you know, we need to break that at some point. And and it's and, and about a week and a half ago, one of my players came up, and she's like, Coach, you know, our record for Manhattan Drill is 23, and that's been up there way too long, and we can do much better than that. Can we run Manhattan Drill today or tomorrow so we can try and break that record? was like, yeah, hey, you know, that, yeah, let's go for it, you know, and, you know, those are things that we've tried to instill to make things competitive and practice uh, as a group, as individually, to get them to concentrate, to, to give them um, short-sighted victories instead of just, okay, let's just have a real hard hour and a half practice here. Here's something we can win in this three to five minute segment as well to make it competitive as well. Sure. And I think, that, that's great. We don't really track records as far as stuff like that, but we, we'll do a lot of stuff with as far as individual, you know, you're competing against yourself with shooting drills. You have to make X number of shots and serve so many spots and a certain amount of time. We The create equalizer for us is is the ladder. So when kids sit here baseline, they know they're going to run a ladder. Mm-hmm. So um, we do that and all that stuff too. And then team stuff, it's kind of the same way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Uh, if you make it competitive, um, and there's stuff on the line. You don't really need to just do standalone conditioning stuff. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. No, I, that's the that's that's a tremendous waste of time, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. You only get it. Well, well what did, I don't know. Do you, do you know uh, uh, Coach Tesmer, Carl Tesmer from Hastings or from Saint Cecilia Football Coach? Uh, I, I know that. I know the name. I know the name. Yeah, I've never met him. He. Uh, I, I was an assistant football with him for oh probably five years and. He's a Hall of Famer, and, and our practices were always exactly two hours long. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered, I go, I asked him, so why, why only two hours? And he goes, after an hour and a half, the kid's focus is gone anyways after school. So mm-hmm. you're not going to get anything done more than two hours anyways, like you said. So that's why you got a good hour and a half every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the younger your team is, sometimes it's less than that. So uh, you need to maximize it and get your point across the best you can with the time you got. Well, and, and I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the playground stuff too, Greg. Um, yeah. Their minds are different. They, you know, it was just a given back, again, I don't want to be the grumpy old guy yelling at the clouds, but we're going to go two and a half hours, you know, and, and, and two hours pretty consistently. 
where whereas you know the kids mind and again it's not their fault they've they've grown up in the youtube tiktok world and it's hard for them to concentrate for a 20 minute drill on rebounding or a 10 minute drill on footwork it's got to be a three minute drill it's got to be a four minute drill and then you move on to the next thing but with that high energy and practice um with that high energy and practice, then you don't have to just, okay, let's just run for 10 minutes straight because we didn't do this. We didn't address it earlier in practice. Yep, exactly. Yep. I, I totally agree. It, it, it is tough. And the other, you know, other coaches have said before, I mean, think about this though. Imagine if you sat around in, in, in a chair at school for eight hours and then try to go to practice and concentrate some more, <laughs> you know, it's tough. It, it is tough. And you, when you introduce running and movement with it too i mean the focus is a a big deal Mm -hmm. Uh, you're totally right yeah um another thing i wanted to talk to you about because you know you talked about coach tesmer and your your boys basketball i mean say cecilia is just a very very good athletic program all the way around uh but you have to do that by sharing kids and and you mentioned in your in your uh survey that you've only had two kids play college basketball in the six years that you've been there um but you've been, you know, state championship game the last three years, and you're going to be in the fight for it again this year. You know, what What have you guys, you know, how do you guys make it work? Because I know if you ask almost any high school coach anywhere, they're going to complain about how such and such program gets more than us, and those kids do that, and why do, you know, so forth and so on. So what are you guys doing to ensure that everybody is successful? I think you hit, you know, the, the latter part there, you know, I think sometimes as coaches, we, uh, you get really, you get the blinders on and you can only see what's right in front of you with only your program. And, um, I don't think people, especially in a small school, they don't see the total picture that it, it takes, it takes everybody to be successful. And that's kids on the floor to kids in the stands. And if you marginalize a certain group or you alienate, you know, a certain group or you just focus on one thing, it, everything goes in cycles. Like you said, we've we've had the girls programs even before me have had so much success at St. Cecilia. And to be honest with you, we're getting an average of 14 to 15 girls out for basketball every year. So it's not like we have tons and tons of kids playing basketball. We've had great athletes uh, that compete year round and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of success is kind of bred success. And it's been from cousins and sisters and babysitters and looking up to older girls and the same thing with the boys and at Catholic schools, just there's a tighter bond and community that kind of feeds into that. And it's kind of hard to explain unless you've been a part of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that is, uh, that is something that, uh, I really, I really value here. Now, like, I'm not, I'm not, like I said, I'm not naive. I know everything goes in cycles. You know, we're going to graduate four seniors this year, and then we're going to be young next year, and it's going to be a totally different St. Cecilia team. Mm-hmm. But you're going to try to keep those same core values that you have and, and see what they can do. And all I want them to do, like I said, is go compete. Yeah. Do you guys, like, sit down, let's say, March and April and start mapping out, okay, volleyball is going to be doing this here, basketball is going to be doing this here, softball is going to be doing this here, you know, what, whatever that yeah. may be, you know, what's your, what's your communication process? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of went on a tangent there. For no, 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 talking. hey, no, it's good it's stuff. Good. No, it's good. Uh, yeah, I, I think sometimes some coaches get a little bit too, uh, you know, 
strong armed. Like, we got to do this, this, and that just for my program. And uh, what we what we try to do, especially on the girls' side, is we try to say, hey, basketball is going to do June. Volleyball's got thereafter. Um, we sit down with the schedule, say, all right, the softball team's going to practice. And I basically say, hey, what's your schedules at? And then we set certain dates during the summer for practice or open gyms and say, you're going to be, you're going to be here at these dates. These are the camps that we're going to go together as a team. Here's the league night. We're going to go together as a team because I don't really believe in going to something in the summer. If we have half our team, it doesn't make much sense. Correct. Uh, personally. So we really set. And the other thing too is kids are, kids are getting stretched pretty thin. I mean, they got travel softball, travel base or travel baseball, they got travel basketball, they got jobs, and they're trying to be kids, too, in the summer. So they're stretched a lot of different ways, and our kids have been pretty good about being I mean, being willing to put in the work. So like, like I said, two basketball players, but we have kids that have gone and thrown, you know, shot in college or played volleyball. They understand that if I want to be good at something, we got to put time in together as a group. So it's pretty much communication, and that's starting about right now. We actually have already been asked about our summer camps and stuff already, which mm. is the furthest thing from your <laughs> your mind right now. But uh, that communication, and I've been pretty fortunate when you get a staff that's pretty good and understands that for everyone to have success, we need everybody. That helps yeah. a lot too. Yeah. Well, don't you know what you're doing on on January 9th, what you're going to be doing on June 9th, coach? Come on now. Yeah, yeah. What, what week do you want your, your youth camp? I, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow yet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. exactly. Um, hey, let's go basketball nerd here. Let's let's dive deep. Uh, I, I want to get into, because I've seen your teams play on film. I've seen them play live. I, I, I really like the way that you coach your teams. Um, let, let's. You, you want to talk half court O or half court D? Uh, that's, that's the two topics we want to end on here today. So you tell me what you want to go with. First, your show. You tell me. Oh, I'll, come I'll let on, you. Greg. Come on, Greg. All right. Defense is listed first, so we're going to talk defense. Plus, it's first alphabetically, so uh, we'll go Perfect. with defense. All right. So uh, let's talk about your half court defense, your philosophy, how you build it up. Uh, maybe some drills that you like to run. Uh, you know what you're what you're doing uh, philosophically. I'm just going to kind of let you cook, and and I'm going to write some stuff down. And at, you know, I'll probably try. I'll probably interrupt with some some questions here. Uh, but uh, you, you just you just go, man. All right. Well, when I took over, I I noticed we had a really talented team and talented athletes. But defensively, watching that they didn't always put in what they didn't maximize what they could on that end of the floor. So I always said, all right, no matter what happens, we're gonna we're gonna be a man first team. We're gonna exclusively run man because I want to set kind of like a culture and identity of, of toughness that we're going to dig in and get stops in the half court. And I understand that's you're, you're, you're going to expend a lot of energy doing that, but at the same time, um, you're going to drain a lot of energy from the other team too. If you can get stops, it's demoralizing if, if you're basically a unit that's tough to score on. So that was my philosophy when I started. And I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to have kids buy into it at first when they, at first, there's some skeptics, and then we started winning games. And I'm like, oh, this does work. If we play really hard here, if we are honed in on a scouting report here, it's going to translate to victory. So, or at the very least, it's going to keep you in every game for the most part. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole reason behind the half-court man defense. And I know, 
you know, te- coaches have other philosophies, and that's that's fine. They have their own personnel. Heck, next year, you never know. Coach oh, yeah. Barrett might might turn to some zone. You never know. Oh yeah. But, hey, right now we're running <laughs> a lot of zone, and it's working, and our kids believe in it. You know, uh, and, but I'm over there going, you know, <laughs> uh, there's there's other things I'd rather be doing. But you know, I, I digress. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I think too, and I've always heard the it, it's easier to be a man team transitioning to zone to be a zone team transitioning to man. Wholeheartedly um, agree. Is that if that identity's there um, and that's the mindset, then it, it'd be easier to switch between the two. But it just became like a mentality with our with our program, I guess, that we're going to run tough man. And kids fi- figure out pretty quickly if they can't do well on that end of the floor, they don't, their, their playing time decreases. So uh, they've bought in. And that's kind of the, the reason for the philosophy why we're going to stick stick to man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? What's your? Are, are you gap? Are you up on the line? Up the line? Uh, are you pushing baseline, sideline, full front, and in the post? Kind of dive in with us there, coach. Um, it kind of depends. You know, I see a lot of teams have guards that really like to get up and pressure you and get up the line like you're talking about. And I think that works to a certain extent, but I think teams that typically do that are attempting to, um, I guess, hide hide maybe a weakness on the back end or maybe hide the fact that, that physically they don't, they don't want that kind of contact more towards the rim, I guess. Uh, we typically try not to over-deny, and we are more of a force towards the sideline or baseline. The big thing is we want to keep people out of the paint. I know there's lots of different ways to do that. We'll tell our kids you can dig a little bit in gaps, but we're not going to overhelp. Um, post wise, we've you know this is one thing that that helps when you have good posts um, when you have some size down there. It, it can alleviate a lot of your other you know it can alleviate a lot of pressure on your guards too. So we've been fortunate to have that in our favor as well. So we try to play high side, tell our post to always stay above. So typically three quarter. Mm-hmm. How are uh, what are some ways that you implement your defensive philosophy in practice? Uh, a lot of breakdown, or do you just just go, hey, we're just we're just going to run a lot of four and five person shell? Uh, you know, how do you guys teach those type of things to your kids? I think sometimes I think it's tough for some high school kids to see when you do breakout drills that how it translates to the game. I've noticed unless you really really emphasize, I think. The one one area I've noticed is if you do ball screen stuff, they, they understand what you're trying to do there. But sometimes other aspects like digging gaps, it, it kids I mean my coach assistant coach always talk about this. So do we want kids to play to the drill or do we want them to play how we want them to play? Mm-hmm. And kid you'll find out kids will play to the drill more so than if it's like in shell. So we, we prefer shell more mm-hmm. and adjust from there. I, that's just what I've noticed. I don't know if if you've seen that, that kids are really smart about playing well to the, the drill and then they get in the in the shell of the game and they don't they don't do the same thing like jump into the ball or stop it at midline things like that i i think in, in my opinion and and what do i know but i think you have one or two ways that you treat that you teach closeouts that you maybe you break down closeouts you have one or two major ways that you teach rebounding you have one or two ways that you talk about your off ball stuff per se but I, I do agree with you that you hit one or two of those drills, but nothing beats good shell drill and just teaching no. it in in that way. And 
Again, that's it, that's that's what I believe. Uh, I, I, I think I, I Shell think that, is. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I think Shell is the best defensive drill you can run, and you can do it out of man zone. I just think when kids can see how their actions affect someone else, and they could see it all pieced together like that, I think visually that's a better visual than a lot of two on two stuff. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that there's you know like we do we do some three on three. But that's more of the offensive emphasis, uh, yes. you know, and, and things like that. But, yeah, when we're talking just defense and breaking it down, like I said, we do we do a drill called chop drill. We do a drill called one-on-three closeouts. And that, and those are our basic, our two basic drills that we talk about for, for closeouts. Uh, we have two or three rebounding drills. We have, uh, like I said, one or two gap drills. Um, and, but then it's like, okay. And, and at this point of the year, like – what we're it's it's just okay now it's january whatever our shell drill has to be perfect and we don't let them move on until okay we've got to have three perfect possessions of shell drill everything has to be perfect and here's and and as soon as it's not perfect we blow the whistle okay mary mary you didn't close out on the top side restart it you know and that type of thing and and that's you know that's kind of what we've evolved into with this year's team now that could change next year uh, but that's what we've evolved into this year with with this group. So, I I can't disagree with that. I think you also you put stuff on the line. Like if you like like talking about competition. If your if your unit gives up an offensive rebound, you got a wall as a reminder. Next group in. I mean things like that. Um, yeah, y- y- your drills will will decrease throughout the year definitely, and then you know that that shell you know, obviously morphs into your, you know, your scouting with tendencies and what the other team likes to do as well, especially in January. So you're, you're in a situation, you're, you're in a small school. Um, like you said, you have 14, 15 kids out on average ish. Uh, and especially with, when you have a, a Bailey Kissinger or a hamburger, uh, your skill level is going to be vast, you know, it's going to be pretty extreme. So as you're doing shell drill, as you're, doing you know whatever type of competitions what are ways that you try to even the playing field for the 12th or 13th kid that to give them a fighting chance against a a bailey kissinger or somebody like that (laughs) i don't i don't know that you're gonna do that a lot but uh that's that's uh probably one of the biggest things talking to other coaches at the same level in practice because at big schools you know, you got that coach who's like a CEO and he's managing, you know, he's got his varsity practice and they might have their freshman practice somewhere else. And then they might have this group practice somewhere else. Whereas with us, everyone's in the same building at the same time. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a great question. And coaches, like I said, you talk to them and they have the exact same response. It's like, you just can't simulate what you're going to see in a game in practice because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in order to do that, I try to get the group as much as possible to work together as a group against maybe that second, you know, uh, you know, kids up that start or, or varsity and have them interact as much as possible. And it forces those, that next group to raise their level up. Mm-hmm. Then what you do with that next unit is, all right, they rotate out to offense and your younger kids go into a defense and the thing that it's good with our older girls since they know everything we'll have them on the sideline when kids come off and they'll kind of coach them up too Mm -hmm. um and that that's really kind of helped us and it takes some ownership in your team too 
Um, as far as it being even, there's some days when you know like, you just want to knock down drag out to raise the level of intensity, and you'll just mix up the groups completely. And uh, that's always kind of fun, too, because then you see a lot of different looks. And uh, it's amazing how kids raise their level of the game when they're playing with a Bailey Kissinger or a Catherine Hamburger mm-hmm. or et cetera. So that's what we try to do. But it's tough to simulate in practice. It is at a small school. Mm-hmm. So let's jump to the other side of the ball. While you're, you know, how are you building your, your motion offense? You, you, you talked about an, an equal, not necessarily equal opportunity offense, but everyone being involved, everybody having a role in your offense. How are you building that? What's your core philosophy? What's kind of your basic structure of what you're trying to do with that? Uh, I, I, I love it when talking to the, the Hastings Tribune here in town, the, the reporter, and I'm like, Greg, you know, you had three girls in double figures. What does that mean to your team? You know, and they see that it's the same response. Well, well, Will, well, Nick, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it, it makes you a tough team to defend, you know, and if you get that distribution inside out, you're tough to prepare for. I mean, it's just, it's another thing that other coaches planning for. You have to worry about if you're one dimensional from, from a, being a coach and, and coming up with scouting reports, it's a lot easier to defend something that's one dimensional than it is. You know, you know, we have you have threats on the floor all over. So that's kind of the core. That's the main philosophy um, as far as why why I like motion offense. Mm-hmm. How how are you? What's your base concepts, and and how are you teaching that? Well, it kind of depends, and you know, coaches are smart too because they they did make counter adjustments. But uh, with you know the trader and Asher. They were a lot big on, you know, like four out, one in motion. And you can do that if you have a post that that is decent, you know. It's tough to do that if you're undersized. And mm-hmm. luckily we've had a traditional post that can do that. Um, so it's 41 or maybe 50. And we try to do a lot of breakout stuff as far as screening, cutting, ball screen. Um, how does this flow within itself? I've noticed that it's good to kind of talk about concepts like in a four on O or five on O and see how it works together before you just roll the ball out five on five. You got to kind of, it's almost like you got to kind of dress rehearse before you get to the five on five, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's what we, 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 we drill certain concepts, like how we want to use our post, what we do with post entries, our actions off of that. What does our post do after the ball gets reversed? We talk big about three sides of the floor things like that, and a lot of 4-on-0 into 5-on-0 to 5-on-5. So that's kind of the, the way we kind of try to break stuff down. Okay. Uh, how long? How much time are you spending on that, you know, in practice, uh, working on that? And, and kind of where do you try to fit that in in your practices? Early, well, that, middle, end? It, it kind of varies. That's, that's tough for you talking about that hour and a half now, right? Yep. Um, I, and other coaches do this too. You do it too. You want to layer things, so you want to start with, all right, if, if we're going to see man, we want to have some man shooting drills beforehand. I don't think you can shoot enough. That's one thing. I, As a shooter myself in high school who liked to shoot about every time he touched on, <laughs> uh, I, I'm a big proponent of if you're open, you better shoot it. I don't care if you're six foot or five foot. Um, that, you'll get your man or your zone shooting drills. Then you'll layer in your, your kind of, whether it's your actions with – um. Oh, guard action, post action. Then you'll go to your four on o, five on o. Then you go to your five on five stuff. Mm-hmm. Very good. And 
that's that's kind of the way we do it. But then again, that's that's not a novel idea. I'm yeah. sure most most folks do that. Yeah. Favorite favorite shooting drill that you guys have that you have your kids do. Favorite one I have or favorite one our kids have. Let's both. <laughs> Up, let's end on this. Let's end on this with with that. Yeah, both of them. Well, I'm not trying to get enjoyment out of kids not suffer or suffering or anything like that. But um, it's funny we we have one called uh, five spot shooting where we put two minutes on the clock and if as the season progresses we'll wind it down and they got to make three shots in a spot in two minutes to move on to the next spot. So they got to make a total of 15 shots in two minutes and it gets competitive towards the end because they have a rebounder and a passer. And after that they rotate out Mm -hmm. and if they don't get it, they have a ladder afterwards. So you'll see kids, a senior to a freshman, they'll make one with it at the buzzer and they'll just, you know, fist pump or something (laughs) like that. It's it's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. It puts a little pressure on stuff too. So you're, like I said, you're not just sitting there just chucking shots. So you're working your shot prep. We, we are a big preacher of in a motion offense, a good pass equals a good shot. So yeah. we're big on that too. I mean, you have to have all those things, hit him in the hands, hit him in the hands, hit him in the hands. So that one's enjoyable. We'll do other stuff on that where they have to make two shots in a row at each spot to move on to the next spot. So we'll do like some pressure stuff there, which is kind of, it gets a little entertaining as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite, one of my other favorite ones is kind of a conditioner that we always do at the beginning of the year. Cause I always say, We'll call out 21, and kids will just basically roll their eyes. And there's <laughs> then, a, a, then you know it's a good drill when, when they, when they do that good. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they'll start, like, at the volleyball line on a full court or half court. And in between each shot, so the first one, they're running into a three-point shot. Then they have to go back and touch. Then it's a shot fake rip to the elbow for a two. So it's three-two. Then the last one, back. And they got at the top of the key, rip, and go for a layup. Mm-hmm. And then they just keep repeating. So they got two minutes to get uh, to get 21 points. And uh, that one that one's kind of a soul crusher at times. Uh, when it, conditioning and shots don't fall, but it's also kind of fun to watch kids all of a sudden kick it up a gear from zero to 60 when they realize they're close to it too. So, um, yeah, those are a couple, couple of the fun ones we like to do. Love it. Love it. Greg, uh, that's a great way to end it. I appreciate you coming in. You know, you're, you're Willis Reed in the 70 finals, game seven here today. Uh, you're, this is the Jordan flu game of a pen and a napkin right now. So, uh, no, I, I do uh, seriously appreciate you uh, kind of gutting this out and talking hoops for an hour. And, um, you know, I, I'm so lucky to be able to, to do this. I've got a page full of notes, just us talking here. So uh, I've gotten a lot out of this as well. And I, and I know the folks that will listen to this will get, a, will get a ton out of it. So I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, hey, like I, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that you, you have, you know, some folks, especially our school. Like I, I love, you know, promoting our school. And I think our kids are great and they work really hard. I, I appreciate that opportunity in our in our girls program. The things that they've done are pretty special and amazing. In our senior class, when you when you look at the end of it, you're going to look at their record and some people's heads are just going to spin like that's crazy. Yeah. And I'm just really fortunate to be a part of that and to promote that. And, um, you know, hopefully the girls learn that lesson that, you know, if you stick together as a group, you can almost accomplish almost anything you want to. If you just dig in together as a group, get tough, and you know, stick together. And uh, I, I, I definitely appreciate you kind of hitting a lot of those concepts. So that 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 is the, that is the reason why I enjoy basketball because it's definitely a team sport. Well, well, speaking of promoting it, any any social media that you want to promote for yourself or the or, or the program or anything like that. 
believe it or not, I, I don't mess around with that stuff. I, uh, I, uh, I don't use social media at all. I just, uh, it's not really my style. If you kind of got my personality, I, uh, I'm not big into, uh, broadcasting myself, I guess I'm not very good at that, but, uh, I, uh, like we talked about earlier, I, uh, kind of live, try to live by my actions there. And, uh, so apologies. I can't, I can't give you any social media not, to, uh, to, to pump there, but, uh, no, I, I definitely appreciate this, this avenue to kind of talk about our program. Well, I, 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 I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I hope you've had a good time this afternoon and, and, uh, you know, a lot of coaches are, I, like I said, I think they're going to get a lot of really good things out of our conversation this afternoon. So, Greatly appreciated, and and I I hope to see you down in Lincoln here in a couple of months. That would make two of us. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, best of luck to you guys. Take care. And again, I appreciate you having me on. Awesome, awesome. Well, if you hold the line here just a second, I got to wrap up a couple things, and we'll roll from there. Again, uh, Greg Barrett, the the head girls basketball coach at Hastings Saint Cecilia High School here in Hastings, Nebraska. I want to thank him for coming on here today. We want to thank Cosac Chiropractic for being our founding sponsor. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching stuff there. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Again, great conversation here today with Coach Barrett. Uh, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.